For me, the editor of London's most beloved website, Time Out, Christmas party season can be such an ordeal. There's only so much of me to go round. How can I be expected to be at the Coach and Horses, downing festive pints at six, and then make karaoke at Mascara Bar for eight? I'll tell you how. I use Freenow, the mobility super app. Black cab drivers can use bus lanes, which means I arrive as quickly as possible to bring the house down with my seasonal but alarmingly grave rendition of God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. It's free now, yet again giving the people what they want. Now, just to check my invites folder. Still empty. Well, uh, any day now. Any day. Happy end of year period, Christmas, New Year, or whatever. My name's Joe Makatech, the big dog get Time Out London, and you're listening to the best bits of Love Thy Neighbourhood Series 1. It's the podcast in which 12 Londoners, plus a Christmas episode more superlative than myself, show me around the city, patiently waiting for the opportunity to plug something at the end of the episode. And what a series it's been, a gold-plated, goated banger. London, of course, referred to by Ian Nairn, our pet psychogeographer, as a city of 10,000 villages. If that's true, we have journeyed from village to village tirelessly. Branded knapsack over our shoulder, my fat, hairy dog son, Cronus gambling and running by our side. On our way, we've broken bread with many an interesting fellow traveller and been on our fair share of adventures. Uh, I seem to have sort of transmutated from a Dick Whittington metaphor into a kind of Witcher, Skyrim, high fantasy world. But that's okay, because it's a Clips episode, and Clips episodes, by their very nature, have little effort put into them. But look, you do need something to fill the limitless, elastic abyss period between Christmas and January the 3rd, and this is it. Listening to this is statistically more likely to provide entertainment than staring at a wall or making strained conversation with your increasingly sozzled loved ones. With that being said, it's time to take a look back across 12 fun-packed episodes and one Cockney Christmas special. Like a hungover widower waking up alone, looking desperately for something edible attached to last night's takeaway. Take heart, friends, there are plenty of morsels that haven't yet started to putrefy. There is much nourishment to be had. Food, predictably, is a big part of Love Thy Neighbourhood. Chips, pies, fish, dal, bread pudding, barn me, all eaten. And that's just in the Big Zoo episode. I jest, I jest. I don't jest. Big shout out to Top's Pizza. When you, you call them, you can go, can I get the halal pepperoni? And then they go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said, um, you gotta risk it. Yeah. I'm all smelling it when it comes. Smelling a bit porky, but hey. Yeah, if the, if the guy on the phone said it was halal, no. You know. Yeah, the random guy that will lie to you. <laughs> Ask no questions. The menu at Art of Spices on Bulbswan Road is hilarious because it has a sort of diatribe in the blurb at the back against Bombay Bicycle Club. The band? <laughs> Not the band, who I do have history with. Oh, really? But the, well, um, come back to that. The head chef at that takeaway feels like he was disrespected and much maligned by Bombay Bicycle Club in West London. So he's and he's used, put that information in the menu. He's used it. No, I'm, I'm all for using your own company's um, literature to settle old scores. You're paying for the ink. Like our version of Morley's in North Weezy is Sam's Chicken. Right, yeah. Uh, and where, like, where would the shame come from? Well, no, the sh- there's no shame in like 15 year olds, you got like a couple quid in your pocket, that's where you go. 
slight shame is that I still go, Sam. Ah, right, okay. So is it like a sort of uh, comfort zone, a yeah, restaurant comfort zone? Yeah, and I have to zone. pick my moments because if I go in there and it's like four o'clock, there's going to be a bunch of teenagers in there, they're all going to recognise me. Yeah. Oh, bruv, what the fuck are you eating at Sam's? Right, so, so I have it, to deal with all of that. Yeah, it looks bad, I guess. Yeah. yeah. What's your order when you do go in, though? It's always the same, Philip Burger, fries, and a drink, please, boss man. So there's a place called Chinese Tapas House, and it does... You lived in Shanghai, it does Jan Bings. Of course, the soup uh, dumplings, right? No, that's Shaolong Bao. Sorry, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I fucked it, yeah. yeah. Cut that yeah. out, David. Oh, you mean like, not like Shaolong Bao, the soup dumplings. What are Jan Bings again? Jan Bings are those breakfast crepes you get, where they put like crispy wonton skins in it and hoisin sauce, loads of chilies and pickles. And then uh, depending on what you're into, they'll put little sausages in it or empty for you. Well, not empty, but the only people that would go in it would be mm. like Chinese people mm. and me, Fern Brady. Mm. And then... An honorary Chinese person. <laughs> yeah, and then I mentioned it on off menu and people started going and also it was in this app. Ed Gamble told me this, the infatuation. I know that, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Ed was like, it's not just you recommending it that means it's taken off. And I'm not delusional, I don't think I'm that influential, but people kept tagging me on Instagram, holding up their jam bangs, being yeah. like, thanks Fern for the recommendation. I can't get into the place now because there's always queues. I became vegan because like these really cool hot girls at my school were all vegan. They would like get like one girl at a time and like lock them in a room with this YouTube documentary on veganism, and you'd come out being like, what? "I'm vegan." But I think everyone I mean, that just sounds like it's kind of Islamic State tactics. <laughs> I think radicalizing people just wanted these girls to like them. Uh, sure. Yeah. Was... Did they put a bag over your head while they took you to the room? Yeah. Now come to think of it, <laughs> there was quite a lot of bag involved. Yeah, but it was a bag that was full of McDonald's smells to make it even more sort of disorientating and weird. <laughs> but now I'm in like a sort of middle ground of trying to do like mostly plant-based, but a bit of dairy here and there, a bit of chicken might slip under the radar. Right, I see. Um, Does the chicken occur when you're drunk? Well, actually, the first time I had a uh, chicken nugget, from being vegetarian since seven, the first time I had a chicken nugget was when I like came out as bisexual and started dating women. The first woman who's like flat I went back to, she was like, do you want, do you want some chicken nuggets? I'll put some on and I was like, well look, I guess I'm trying everything tonight. Yeah, maybe that's just what bisexuals do. Yeah, Eat we have nuggets chicken nuggets at night. It's not all gluttony, sugar comas, pints, and an overly refreshed Fern Brady being banned from Vietnamese restaurants, though. There was plenty of nourishment for the mind, too, as we occasionally raised our brows to discuss arts and culture, or as Hans Ulrich Obrist would have it, the Gesamtkunstwerk. When I moved to London, you know, I, I felt it always took such a long time to convene meetings with friends. Because everybody had prior schedule, right? So if you want to bring like 10, 20 friends together, one has to plan it weeks in advance. So we thought, how can we maintain in an urban context and in a city in London where everybody's so busy, improvisation. Right. So we thought, if we do a club at 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m., nobody can tell us that they have prior schedule. <laughs> so then, like, and then at some point, some younger artists said, who were part of the Brutal Daily Club, it is really kind of annoying that it's at 
6.30, because you know, why wouldn't you do it hyper early, much, much earlier, like at three o'clock? Because first of all, the city is kind of very magical because yes. it's kind of empty and it's, 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 and secondly, we could then come, because they would go out late, we could then come directly from the club or from the, you know. So they, they, at, at the brutally, brutally early club yeah. at 3 a.m., the artists were drunk. Ex uh, yeah, or, or, <laughs> or they have been partying or yeah. whatever. And then the artist basically said, you know, then we don't have to go to bed. So then I said, this is a good idea. Let's try to do a hyper early club. But then we had to find <laughs> cafes which are open at 3 a.m. Mm. And that led to a whole other challenge. So we found, for example, an interesting cafe at uh, King's Cross, okay. which is open 24 hours for travelers who missed the last train. So it's always quite busy. Amazing. You know? And then we also came up with this idea that it could become a film club. So we would always, at the Hyper Early Club, Brutal Early Club, have a film premiere. So a film would be screened for the first time to whoever gets up so early as a little bit of uh, you know, recognition for the effort. We're looking at a, a piece of art now, which is uh, Lucio Fontana. Uh, spatial concept waiting and it's if you don't know it it's a big old bit of fabric in a frame and it's got a tear through it and you can see through to the back and it's black uh, I don't really know much about it I've seen it a bunch of times obviously but for some reason it did remind me of you there's something a bit punk about it I think yeah a lot of my clothes look like that <laughs> <laughs> so like, if I see it, if I get a t-shirt I tend to do a very similar thing to the t-shirt yeah. that this has done to the canvas um, and I think, like, if we want to get very artsy about it, it's about creating something out of something else. And I think, like, with art being subjective and you can talk about so many things, right now, a lot of the way I, I see fashion is working with, like, younger designers who are wanting to work in sustainable options. And I think that's the way forward with fashion because I think fashion has been a massive influence in the world but also destructive to the planet. And a lot of designers now are trying to work with stuff that's already there and create something different. And that's exactly what this is. Thank you very much. That was artsy and fartsy. <laughs> we love. And it's, I would imagine hard as someone who is there in a creative capacity to resist the urge to say, go make your own fucking film. Oh, then. no, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but you can't say that because then you're an asshole. And, you know, and also it is the thing of like, look, it is, it's hard. That's, I think, the only time I get kind of crazy is, is like, yeah, you kind of go like, you know how hard this is? And all those, this assumption that we're all doing it very cynically, you know, like we're just going to get money or stuff. It's like, no, we really love what we do. Sure, we get paid for it, but we would do it if we didn't get paid. The energy required, it, it, it's not possible to go through every day unless you love it. No, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, I, I say, you know, any project I take on, I say it's like it's a, it's a, a marriage, basically. And, and I, it's never out of your head. You're never not thinking about it. You're never not freaked out about it. You're never not sweating about it. And then the relief afterwards, I assume, is uh, massive. No, there is never any relief. Really? Because if it doesn't do well, then you're like, oh my God, you know, then that's terrible. And if it does this well. sounds horrible, Paul. It is terrible. <laughs> I love it. No, but if it does well, then you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do next? I got to top it. So. But then that's doubly anxiety inducing. Oh, yeah. Everyone will assume the next thing you do, you're doing it for a particular reason, maybe. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. And, you know, then once you have a couple of hits, then the knives come out. And, right. You know, yeah. so. But, you know, again, boo hoo. We're so lucky to do what we do, so that's the price of admission. You are currently entering the biggest theatre bookshop in the UK. It's the National Theatre Bookshop. Oh, my Oy. goodness. <laughs> the largest theatre bookshop in the UK. It does look quite large. And that's the only good. bookshop I ever worked in. Another yeah. fascinating fact. <laughs> when I was working in it, it was the place that people would come up when they wanted to audition for drama school. Right. And they'd come into the bookshop and they'd like ask for like monologues they could do. I mean, I hate the phrase people watching, but that does sound very good for people watching. Oh, it was so good for people watching. Do you remember any particular monologue or any particular person? 
Oh, yes. I mean, I, I really hope the people that I recommended monologues to went on to be, like, massive stars. Yeah. But, like, I would always try and be like, I'm not going to recommend Romeo and Juliet because that's so root run. So I'd be like, oh, you guys, you really need to do, like, um, Cresta from Troilus Cresta. Well, that's a good or suggestion, like, though. do um, Joan Lapoussel from Henry VI Part One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they'd be, like, really impressed. And they'd ask me more about it. And I was like, oh, that's all I know about it. That's it. And that girl went on to be Kristen Stewart. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you do though. never know. You never know. Are you not worried that by giving them like intentionally odd <laughs> monologues to read that you might have sabotaged their careers? No, I think I made them. Because right. then like I reckon people go in with the same monologue all the time and then they'd go in with a different one and then I had a part of their success. Yeah, you made them original, you made them different. You see, ours truly is the capital of culture. Galleries, auction houses, theatres, and of course, the opera. Our city's most valuable, most significant treasure, however, is none of those. More guests spoke about it than any other single thing. Lurking under an arch by London Bridge, it's proto-immersive edutainment at its finest. Is it old-fashioned? Maybe. Is it surprisingly expensive? Hmm. Is it the single most important cultural attraction in our city? Undoubtedly, there is only one London. And there is only one dungeon. Ladies and gentlemen, the London Dungeon. What is your five-star tourist attraction in London? I would say maybe the London Dungeon. Interesting. The London Dungeon, a proper survivor. The London Dungeon, not going anywhere, more popular than ever. Do you know how much it costs to get in these days? Well, back then it was about £10 when I was a kid. I think now it's north of 30 Joking. I think. Yeah, yeah. Would you pay 30 quid for... I mean, bear in mind, that's a couple of hours entertainment. It's a couple of hours now. Yep. The London Dungeon basically is just London now, isn't it? That is, it's quite it's a probably better then thought. than it is now. Yeah, you say all of London is a dungeon. It's become a dungeon, isn't it? In what in, in what way is London like London Dungeon? Well, it's like the Great Plague. The plague, yes, yeah, true. We had the plague. You know, it's it's uh, murderers, the government, the government, guillotines, guillotines. public executions. London Dungeon is uh, always nice because you get to see people not achieving their career goals. London Dungeon comes up a lot. Does it? People Probably mention, with performers as well. Yeah, I think people just feel warmly towards it. Do you know how much it costs to get in now, London Dungeon? I think it's probably more pricey than I think. Yep. £26? About 35 What the hell? Yep. But you get a few hours of entertainment, you walk through it, you've got a lot of actors, they jump out. You, you, you like it when people jump out at you, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You get a lot of that. That happens a lot of Dawson. That is outrageous. Yeah, but still going strong, so it must be doing something, right? I'm actually going to the London Dungeon really soon. Are you? Yeah. Do you know what? The London Dungeon comes up more <laughs> in this podcast than you would assume. Yeah. Are you looking forward to your trip to the dungeon? It was me that asked to go, yeah. Do you know how much it costs? How, I, I, much? I, I, how I, much? I only mention this because this will be the third time I ask someone on this podcast if they can guess how much the London Dungeon 30. costs. Keep going. No. 35, 36 quid for a normal ticket, yeah. But as I always say with the London Dungeon, you get like three hours of entertainment out of that, which is like a, you know, pretty long experience. You're paying the wages of a lot of out-of-work actors who are, yeah, you know, yeah, that's good. Yeah. London Dungeon it is then. What is your five-star tourist attraction? London Dungeons. Yay! That's the fifth nomination for London Dungeon this series. Almost half the guests have spoken about London Dungeon. I have been to the London Dungeons with one of the other guests of your podcast, Chloe Petz. How did you find she it? She took me for my birthday. I love that's amazing. It was um it was one of the best days of my life. It was absolutely Do you remember how much it costs? No, I don't. Well she bought me tickets okay. as a present. If you have to guess how much the London Dungeon costs. Um twenty quid. Keep going. 
30 quid. Keep going. 40 quid. About 35 to 40 is the, yeah. But as I always say, it's three hours of good entertainment. You're keeping a lot of underworked actors yeah. in work. And they're hot. The actors at the London Dungeon are hot. Yeah, that doesn't get spoken about enough, really. I fancy Jack the Ripper so much that I was like, I'm actually starting to empathise with him a little bit. That is a very problematic <laughs> statement. People often ask me, what's my biggest weakness? I'd have to say, my limitless generosity. For example, when Christmas shopping in Central, I'm grabbing everything. Decorations from the twinkly bit in Liberty, maybe a hamper of fine meats and cheeses from Lena stores, and of course, some novelty reindeer ears from my beloved hairy canine son, Cronus. Before I know it, I'm literally weighed down with bags of my own human kindness. Luckily, wherever I am, Free Now is there for me. I use it to summon London's black cabs, making full use of the door-to-door pickup and drop-off service. Free Now, the mobility super app. It's like Santa's sleigh if it was driven by a cheerful cabbie. Here's a sentence that will endear me to no one and further damage my already tarnished everyman persona. It's so weird what you end up talking about when you're wandering around with a celebrity friend for hours on end. You start off chatting about their favourite spots for a flat white, and the next thing you know, you're discussing cannibalism, dog feculence and felching. You don't get that on Radio 4. Or maybe you do. I don't listen to Radio 4. It turns out everyone's got a different idea of what felching is. I knew you weren't going to leave that, by the way, because you no, said it. No, I'm sorry. You, you, I honestly... You had a look in your eye I'm so as aware you, we were in a bookshop. Yeah, you had a look in your eye <laughs> as you finished the sentence that suggested there's more to well, this. Well, you're the editor of Time Out. I think you might know. Well, I didn't, what do want, you think I didn't it is? want to be the person to inquire. It wasn't going to come from me. Can you dictionary define felching for me, please? I think felching is like an anal oral activity also involving a hand job. Am I right? So I thought it was eating cum out the arsehole. Yes, yes, is that, that what sounds it is? much so where, more likely. So the hand job is where the here we go. They've looked it up for us. Felching, felching is a sexual act of licking or sucking semen out of a partner's anus. Yes, so I'm okay. wrong. Sorry, I, no, I, I stand corrected. Job, maybe you thought you could give a hand job to get the cum, but I think you can do it from like many different means. I would always assume you just throw in a hand job. It's a nice, rich smell of urine there. So go through the... We love it. Keep yeah. Dalston weird. Keep Dalston hydrated. Keep Dalston pissy. we got to keep Dalston pissy. There's got to be a little bit of that. Yeah. For every um, lavender kombucha and flat white, we got to have a little... A puddle of rancid urine. A little puddle of piss. Yeah. I was walking back once from the, from the um, park, just round close to my house, and um, I was with Doodle, my beagle basset cross. She pooed on the pavement. I didn't have a bag on me, and a lady came past and said, I hope you're going to clean that up. Uh, I said, yes, no, I, I will have a bag at home. So I went back to get the bag from home, and I'm a good person, so I went back to pick the poo up, left the dog at home, so now I'm walking back. I get to the poo, and this guy and his girlfriend walk up, and they're like... Oh, oh, Darren Brown, we're really big fans. And we have a whole chat. I'm stood there with a bag in my pocket. We have a whole chat. And um, <laughs> while, while we're talking, uh, I sort of get it in my head. I've got to, I've got to pick this poo up. Um, and I became just aware it was there. And I thought, we don't want to chat with the poo nexus. So as we're talking, I just sort of got the bag out of my pocket and picked up the poo and carried on talking and tried not to make a thing of it and eventually said goodbye to them and walked off but yeah that's their story that they met me and I just picked up a dog turd from the street they won't forget it in a hurry <laughs> do you have any idea at this point in time why one of these bagel shops is so much more popular than the others because when I was young they isn't were both... it just the longest standing one they're both pretty long standing there's a, there's a big history you can read about it on, on time out 
But, but it's for like some reason, number a, one and sloppy seconds. Yeah, it's a bit sloppy when seconds. When you can't be bothered to queue. I just don't understand why that one gets all the plaudits now. I'll give you some Is it info on it. Okay. The sloppy seconds bagel shop had to bring out the rainbow bagel to compete because they need some sort of thing that the other bagel doesn't have. A but gimmick. if you eat the gimmick, your poo is rainbow. If you eat the gimmick. And that is from experience. Right, okay. No one wants to look down and see that, do they? <laughs> and you start to worry, how long is this going to go on for? But it's only a day. And also, what have they dyed it with that would just, you know, it's not actually... It's gone through you and, and dyed your entire insides. Yeah. Rainbow. I hope you've got everything you wanted for Christmas. And by that, I mean one of the three only good gifts. Furbies, Nintendos or SodaStream. I hope too that you have been generous and polite to your friends and family, because manners not only cost nothing, they are worth everything, as evinced by the rise and rise of Please May I Have. Do you know what I want to bring back in cafes? Let's stop all this can I get stuff. I want to bring back Please May I Have. Oh, okay. I've made a concerted effort in, in gales and stuff to start saying, please may I have a black coffee, and I think the staff like it. Okay. I think they do. And, and what are you judging that on? Uh, vibe, they're, they're just vibe. Just vibe, yeah. Their eyes soften. There's like a softening of their yeah. eyes. And it's a kindness that says, I appreciate the extra politeness. It also, it's, it sounds a little bit infantile maybe now. I'm, I'm hearing myself say it now. And I, I sort of feel like an eight-year-old boy. Okay, uh, for the can benefit... I buy some Maggie cubes? Is that all right? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Do you have change? I do, if you want me to. Oh, no, you don't. It could be a gift from the podcast. I mean, sure. Yeah. Please may I have the Maggie cubes. You're one pound. Yeah. Oh, this one. All right. Thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much. Oh my god! Thank you so much. What are you going to use those for? Could use it in some jollof. Excellent. Some like meat seasoning. So Ghanaian jollof. We'll take that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And not you know. Yeah. Stupid fat rice like Nigerians use. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Do you have one of these? These national. I actually, they didn't have these here when I worked here. I'm gutted now. I might buy you one as a present. <gasps> yeah, as a gift. It's a, no, it's you a podcast won't. Gift. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I can't believe I get a gift. <laughs> Hi there. Thank uh, you. Please may I have the teddy bear? <laughs> this is Thanks. the best day. Do you sell loads of these? We do, yeah. Mainly to children and then adults like me. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, you're more than welcome. Amazing. Hello, please may I have uh, two pairs of sunglasses <laughs> and, a, and a cap? Thank you for my present. You're welcome. I'm eternally grateful. How much would a pair of socks be? Uh, so you're starting at 25 because then they got pure wool, they got pure cashmere. I'd like a, a pair of the cheapest socks for my friend Paul, please. <laughs> uh, I, I, as a gift, I'd like to buy you a pair of wow, socks. Wow, oh my gosh. Okay, so this is short cotton, and that they will start at £27. Perfect. Please may I have the short cotton uh, socks? Ah. Thank you. But some nice colour, though. Should we just take a moment to explain the please may I? Yes, okay. Well, we um, were ordering a drink downstairs, and I mentioned I was trying to bring back... Uh, please may I have. Please may I have. Which has fallen out of fashion for some reason. I think it sounds a little bit polite. It sounds a bit sort of page boy. Don't know. But... But that is the point, isn't it? That's part of its charm. I think so. But Infinitely nice. preferable to the brash Americanisms, can I get, can I take. Can I take? I haven't heard can I take, but I will hear it. Yeah, now you listen out for it. The it's guy downstairs you... said he knew can I take. Yeah, yeah, I, that was horrendous. It's horrible how you find yourself... I remember hearing cheers all the time. I think I'll never say that. Yeah. And then you suddenly realise that you say it all the time. I say it all the time. The big dog's kind old heart didn't always endear him to his guests. Far from being grateful, some of them came out with things that were downright spiteful. A shame. 
Who is a, a person who is in London that you think is a brilliant person that sort of like could be mayor? Does it, like, can it be just like a mate? Or does yeah, it, it can be absolutely anyone. Someone who lives in London, I think, is top. Could be me. Well, obviously, it's not going to be you. Sorry. That's all right. Imagine if we've known each other for three hours and you've already gone to my top Londoner. Yeah, that would be odd. If you had to assign a star rating to me, though, how many stars? Goated. <laughs> 4.5, goated. Uh, that's not bad, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I've given you goated status. I'm um, goated. <laughs> I, I was standing in the street the other day outside a pub with my friend, and I saw you come out of that venue. Oh, really? And I pointed at you across the street and said to my friend, I think I'm interviewing him next week. And, and you glanced over and saw me and gave me a look as if to say, fuck off. <laughs> that was... Uh... That was probably me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in retrospect, me. I, I just looked like some bloke pointing and staring. Yeah, I just thought I thought these three guys across the street want to fight me. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't see myself as famous, so when when three guys are staring me out in the street, I think this trouble is about to kick off. Yeah, the old racism is <laughs> going to kick in. Yeah, three white guys are staring at me, pointing at me. It's, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, it was uh, it was it was a, it was professional oh, right, interest yeah. only. Yeah. Then I, I have to remind myself. Oh, actually, I'm a comedian. Some people might know me. Just before we start eating. Is it okay if I start eating? Yeah, please start eating. I can tell you're excited. But if you could do like a, maybe a four or five second just roast of me, considering we don't really know each other and I could be anyone, but you had to attempt a roast, I won't be offended. Um, you look like you're in a sad Russian play. <laughs> Excellent. Let's eat. Thank you very much. I think it's quite sweet that you appear to give off the vibe that you're heartless. Yes. And actually you're really, really sweet. Do I give off the vibe that I'm heartless? Well, I think you give off this kind of, like, flippant vibe. Oh, yeah. But actually really cared about that shop owner's feelings. Oh. Um, that was kind of endearing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say, really. I'm not, well, you don't have to say anything. Quite shaken. take like, it. <laughs> give off the heartless vibe. Take that it sounds, in the bum. I'll take it in the bum. <laughs> yeah. One in the bum. <laughs> Me, heartless, such impudence. When I sat down with my team of craven, wet-lipped underlings at Time Out and came up with Love Thy Neighbourhood, I didn't expect too much. A legitimate reason to be out of the office for days on end and also an easy way to raise my own media profile. But what I got was genuinely way more than that. I really enjoyed being shown around the city by people way more interesting than me. It's been a privilege to be your demi-guide around London, a place that I've loved for my, my whole life. And I know that I said earlier that I didn't listen to Radio 4, but I'd hate for any BBC commissioners to hear that and not give me work in the future. Until that day, though, we'll keep making more of this series. And the good news is you don't have to wait long for more episodes. There's a whole second series coming your way very, very soon. So keep your podcast chimney well swept. Clean out that bunged up mass of dead birds. A sooty gust of time out is coming your way very soon. So, all that remains to be said as we wave goodbye to 2023 and creepily beckon 2024 towards us is love thyself and love thy neighbourhood. Cheerio. Even I, London's tireless cheerleader, can admit that some things about the city are objectively annoying. The Guinness being off at the pub, getting to and from Ali Pali, the entire concept of Fulham, and perhaps most rubbish of all, trying to get a cab at rush hour. 
There's nothing worse than being late for your most type A mate's friendmas dinner, knowing you'll be getting evils over the vegan turkey, all because you're striking out with taxis. Thankfully, I'd never be in such a hellish predicament because I use Freenow's advanced booking function, which allows me to secure a ride up to four days in advance. I'm the best dinner guest ever. I'll even bring overpriced wine with a stupid graphic design label. If you're planning ahead, choose Freenow, the mobility super app. So ho ho convenient.